Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be together. I don't have the time I want to have, so I'm going to have to fly through some of what I have. But I want to talk to you this morning about thriving. Would you turn with me to Psalm number one? We're going to read from that in just a moment. Thank you for your prayer, Pete. And my prayer this morning is in the words of John 3.30, that I may decrease so that God can increase. Amen? Amen. I'm going to need you to talk back to me this morning, because I've already done this once. I'm tired, and I need you to give me some life. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah, thank you. So over these last few weeks, we've had this 2020 vision series. We've looked at, we've had our vision Sunday, 12th of um, January, and then since then we've looked at our new mission, Connect, Grow, Thrive. I'm just going to recap on all of that because I, I really want it to go into our heads, but our hearts as well. I want us to catch hold of this. It's so important. We have a new strap line, a new motto as a church, discover who God created you to be. I'm so excited about this. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for everyone of you as well. We have redefined, reshaped, upskilled everything, our vision. We've given it some extra fertilizer and we've said we are a church called for purpose to lead people into a powerful life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We seek to cultivate thriving, genuine community where ordinary people, as you and I, can belong and be empowered to do extraordinary things. Operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, we, not might, but we will see lives and communities transformed. Amen? That's good. I just want to talk about our mission now, Connect, Grow, Thrive. And before um, I go any further, I just want us to remember what those things are. So Connect is all about connecting to God, connecting to his people, connecting people into church, seeing that I, I just, um, can I just be honest, I believe it's completely unscriptural for Christians not to be connected into the wider body of Christ. I believe we've got to be. There you go, I've said it. If you don't like it, please take it up with God in the Bible, don't tell me off, because that's what it says. Uh, but in growing, <laughs> we need, it's not just about growing, as a, it kind of is about growing as a whole, but it's about growing spiritually, it's about growing relationally and, relationally and emotionally as well. In thriving, which is what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes this morning, we want to do these things here. We need to want to be the best person we can be, be the best community we can be. I want this place to thrive, to be amazing, to be a place that people want to live in and being a, the best church that we can be. Kelly used these two brilliant quotes last week when she was talking about growth. The first one is from Martin Luther King, and he said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't, walk, if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you must keep moving forward. We've got to keep moving forward, friends. Got to be determined no matter what state we're in. We've got to keep moving forward. And it doesn't depend on your circumstances. We can all keep moving forward. And I'll tell you more about that as we go on. And Winston Churchill once said, continuous effort, not strength, nor intelligence, is the key to unlocking potential. But what does it mean to thrive? How is it distinct and separate from connecting and growing? Yeah, it's all part of the one whole, but how are these things different? How does this relate to us together and individually? Well, I want to look at that this morning. One way you can thrive is next. Pete will tell you at the end of the service, come to, if you didn't come to throne room last Sunday night, seriously, you missed the, missed the best night I can remember in absolutely ages. We're putting on a special one next Sunday at 6.30pm here. I want to encourage you to be here. It was just absolutely out of this world. I want to encourage you to come. Pete will remind you at the end of the service. But what is thriving? How can we thrive? Should we not just be content with just kind of connecting to God and growing a little bit? 
No, I believe there's more than that. Thriving is different. How can we know we're thriving? One of the ways we can know we're thriving is when growth becomes continual. It becomes just a part of who you are. We'll continue to look at this. But as a starting point, I just want to look at the differences between all three things. What do they each mean? Connecting, growing, thriving. Well, today is all about purpose. But there's so much about identity that's in there. Our identity underpins our purpose. We're going to look later on this year a bit more at what Christian identity should be. We looked at this, I think it was back in about 2017, but I think it's time again to have a look over that again and ask ourselves some big questions. Not, and our, the important thing to remember about Christian identity is not so much about how we feel or what we think about ourselves, but it's what God says about us. Would you agree? If you don't, can you just agree anyway, and I'll prove it to you another time, okay? So connecting, or to connect, is... In its simplest form, it's a joining together of two or more things to establish something. Two are better than one. In our case, it's all about connecting to God, to people, and to the church. Growing, or to grow, or growth, is to undergo development, to increase in size and shape, to change, to increase. And in our case, it's about each of us growing personally, spiritually, relationally, individually, and together as a body. When one person suffers, the whole body suffers. But when one person thrives, the whole place, the whole body begins to thrive. And thriving, or to thrive, the difference between this and growth, this is really important, and to thrive is not just growing, but prosperously growing. It's a case of flourishing. And what we do, a great synonym for thrive is to flourish. Flourish. So we don't just grow, but we flourish in our growth. It's not like just one or two little daffodils popping out in springtime. It's the whole lot popping out and looking really big and really healthy. When we thrive, growth becomes natural, easy, regular, and ongoing. It means to develop vigorously. We're full of life. And in our case, when we begin to thrive, it will be about being the best person we can be, the best community we can be, and be the best church that we can be. And I really want my heart's cry and desires for all of us to be thriving individually and together as well. Banning Liebscher from Jesus Culture says this. He says, if you choose to embrace God's process and timeline for building your root system, I believe it's possible not only to survive but to thrive in the midst of it. By thriving, I mean growing in wisdom, character, faith, endurance, strength, and even more. Growing isn't always comfortable, but it is exhilarating and it is rewarding. And I want to prove to you today that you can grow even in the most terrible circumstances. Promise you. In all of this, we just want to keep repeating, 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 connect the grow, the thrive. And the beauty is, is it's not just about growing collectively and growing as an individual, but it's helping one another along the way. There are so many people, people in this church this morning, people right in front of me. You may even know who you are. I've been blessed by your obedience to God. I've been blessed by your obedience to God. So many of you, the fact that you've decided to serve Jesus, I've been, one way or another, I've been blessed by that. I'm looking at the sea of face this morning. I'm seeing so many people who I've been blessed by, by your obedience to God. It's, we're not in this alone. It's one of the reasons why church is so important to the believer. And just before we go any further, I just want to lay out a challenge to you and ask you, 
ask yourself this question, wherever you are with God, could it be that there is more? Could it be that there is more for you to see, to know, to discover, to experience? Could it be there's always more? I mean, one of the things, a well, great demonstration of this, one of the things I love about the Bible is that every time I read it, even when I read the same passage over and over and over again, it speaks to me in a different way. It's because it's not like other books. It's actually alive. It, it, this, has a, this is living and breathing. It's like this has a central nervous system. It has a heartbeat. It is breathing. It's taking in air. It's giving out good stuff. And the Bible is alive and it's always speaking to us always speaking to us. Could it be that there are new horizons for you to scale that if you even knew about it now, you'd be like, oh my word, I could never do that. Well, you just have to take it one step at a time. You have to be determined, not just you're going to connect, not just you're going to grow, but you're going to thrive as well. And I think a great picture of thriving is Psalm 1, the gateway psalm, the first psalm. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like, this is a beautiful picture, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners In the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I'm just going to read it to you from the message here. This sounds really quirky, even for the message um, transliteration, but it's really, really good. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon, you don't slink along Dead End Road, you don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You're not at all like the wicked, who are mere wind-blown dust, without defense in court, unfit unfit company for innocent people. God charts the road you take. The road they take is skid row. How about that? How about that? Two contrasting lives here. Did you notice? Blessed is the one, but not so the wicked. We have here what we call a simile. We have two different lives here. We have God's way, and we have a way simply. Some people might call it the devil's way. I think really we're talking basically a life without God on one side. I just want to remind you that if God ever says no to you, or if you come across something where you just think, well, God isn't for that. It's not because God is trying to ruin our fun. If you look, you look, I'm not going to go into it, but you know all the stuff that's been kicking off in the news in this last week or so about Franklin Graham coming to the UK. Lots of people are like, we don't like what that guy says because he says this. Well, quite simply, with some of the views that he has, it's not so much that God is against these things, but he's for something so much better, which means that makes that thing just not even something that is worthy of our time, our praise, our effort, anything like that. So simply, if God ever says no, it's always because he has a bigger yes in mind. Would you agree with that? Good. At least one or two people do. This psalm here that I've read to you is all about thriving. It's all about thriving. If we dig beneath the surface... 
we'll see some of the core things that we need so that we can thrive in our lives, these eternal things. And David, who wrote the psalm, shows here what a life with God looks like and contracts it, contrasts it with a life without God. He compares the two. Ask yourself, which one sounds more appealing? Which one do you prefer? This psalm is about a life without God or a life where you can thrive in God. A life without God leads down skid row, bitterness, envy, striving, gossip, sin. A life that doesn't honour God, but a life that does honour God isn't always the easiest path, but if you determine that you're going to walk it, you will thrive. You will thrive. Are you awake this morning? We're going into the afternoon. I feel like, are you all awake this morning? Yes. This psalm shows that, friends, if we are determined that we're going to thrive in our walk with God, I don't know where you are at the minute, but wherever you are, you can thrive, I promise you. I promise you. If you were determined you're going to thrive, when you begin to thrive, you will not stay grounded like an ostrich does. One of these flightless birds. Even worse, you won't have your head buried in the sand like an ostrich does. It says you won't even flutter on the wings of a sparrow and reach a certain height and then dip down. But it says, that, it says in Isaiah 40, 31, that a life with God it looks like this. Those who trust in the Lord, those who are determined to thrive in the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not grow faint. Friends, I, please, wherever you are this morning, you can thrive. You can be in the worst situation you've ever been in in your life. And that is, that's often the best breeding ground for thriving. Why is this that I've just read to you, the first psalm? Well, I believe it's one that's easy to skip over because you think, oh, it's just the first one, and there's better ones after that. But I believe it's the gateway psalm. It's the one that leads us into all the other 149 that we have left. And it points to a life of thriving where we don't just connect to God and grow in God, but we thrive in God as well. I look out here this morning, I can see some people, and you have thrived in your lives. And even for you, there is more. If we are to thrive, the Bible must, 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 must be vital and irreplaceable in our lives. I can't go through a day without going to the Bible and saying, Lord, I need to know what you say about this particular situation, or I may just need to know what you say anyway. When did we lose the phrase, the Bible is our final authority? Do you know what that means? Well, it basically means that if the Bible says it, then says this is the way to do this, then we have to reconcile with the fact that whether it's us or whether it's someone else, it's not that the Bible either needs to get in line with us or we just cast it to one side and live how we do. We say, do you know what? Whether I like it or not, this comes first. If the Bible says you need to live like this, I'm, just, I'm going to get my life in line with it. There's so much, there's, so, there's always a danger in the church, and you, see it, you do see it in certain areas of church sometimes where people want to bring in worldly wisdom that, oh, well, a, God, a loving God wouldn't really send people to hell. I hate to say it, and I hate it, I don't like it, but that's what it says. It says he does. We'll talk about that another time. If you don't like it, please just come and grab me and I'll lead you back to Scripture. And you can take it up with God. It's a great get-out clause. I love that one. Verse 1 shows that we must be careful with the most important friendships we have. We must not misinterpret 
this piece of scripture and imagine that, well, do you know what? If that person isn't following God 100% correctly, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. We must reach these people. We must reach people who don't know God. We must reach people who don't realize just what ama- how amazing a life with God really looks like. But we need to ensure that in walking with people, our, most, our innermost friendships are with, people, the, are with people who honor God. We need to ensure that if there are people in our lives, people that we know who mock God, who don't take God seriously, we've got to be really careful how we walk with them. And only you can really know what should happen in terms of that exact friendship. But there is a danger, friends, if we walk too closely with certain people, people who mock God, people who don't take him seriously, there's a danger, there's a danger that we will inadvertently be led into sin, become indifferent to God's will. Some people have a grace to walk with people like this more than others do and you will maybe know pray about it but just say lord where are the kind of the boundaries of my grace here because i don't want to you know god puts people in situations where they have some people have more grace for certain things than others and that's okay but just look to chart the boundaries of your grace verse 2 says but who's uh, this person's delight is in the law of the lord and who meditates on his law day and night this means when it says the law at the time it meant the Torah, now it means all Scripture. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That means that every single word contained in here has one use or another. Some Bible verses are, lend themselves slightly more easily to the way that we're going than others. But every single word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, and is able to help us in the way in which we're called to go. How do we thrive by finding delight in God's Word? You might think this Bible is irrelevant. You might think this Word is clunky. You might think this Word is too difficult to understand. Well, the good news is it's not, and I've got, perfe- I've got personal experience that it's not. And can I encourage you to realize that love for the Bible isn't always love at first sight. In fact, I think rarely in life are things love at first sight. Generally, love grows. And my love for Scripture, my love for the Bible has grown and grown and grown over time. I once, years ago, looked to the Bible and I just thought, I just, you know, this is too big, I don't understand it. Now, I've, because I've spent time in it, I've learned to love it. And you can learn to love it as well. I've learned to get a, bigger, a, a better appreciation of the big picture of the Bible, and you can do it too. If you don't, if you're stuck with that, or if you haven't started, or you don't know where to go, come and find me. Speak to your life group leaders. Someone. There's never been a better time because we have so many ways and resources open to us to help us understand and get a real love for God's Word. It's amazing. It's important to see and to know that this scripture is so vital to is they're not just words they're not just good things to think but they're things to live out as well we shouldn't just be here is the word we should do what it says as well it's important to take delight not just in what the words say but even on the consequence it has for our own lives 
I've had to give up big things for God, but it's because he's had something better for me on the other side. I promise you that. We can take delight in doing what it says. It's important to take God for his covenant blessedness, the one who he is, not so much what he can do for you, but who he can be to you. Another way you can delight in Scripture is to meditate on it. Have you ever meditated on something? Sometimes we think that meditation's a little bit new age, where you kind of empty your life of things, but really, proper meditation, Christian meditation, is where you fill yourself. You fill yourself with God. Meditating on it day and night is not just the work of professional scholars. This was written for everyone. This psalm is written to all of God's people. It's written to us. It's similar to Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 8 where it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And it's interesting to note that the exact same root word for meditate in, here in Joshua is the same as the one in First Psalms, meditate on it day and night. It's the word yege, and it's a root word, and it means a lot of things. It doesn't just mean meditate. A better translation, perhaps, is to murmur. To murmur. Go and look that up when you get home. To murmur. But it also means to ponder, to imagine, to mourn, to mutter, to roar, to exhort, to speak out, to study, to talk, and to utter. So many different things. And what's more, it's an active word, especially when you look at it in this context. We are supposed to make biblical enjoyment a part of our lives. Even if you're somebody who doesn't like reading or doesn't like getting up early in the morning to go through stuff like this, it's important to learn to love it. You can meditate on it day and night. And if you meditate, you will thrive. If we are to thrive, it's important to be planted says this here, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. That isn't a whatever they do may prosper. It says that if you do plant yourself in God, you will prosper. That's, this is not a, a might happen. This is a promise. It's a covenant promise. Has anyone here ever been to the Middle East? Anyone? One or two hands? one or two people. It is a hot place. I mean, you know, I knew it was going to be hot before I first went there, but it is hot and it is dry and it is arid and it is not, I think if I were to go and live there, it would take me a long time to get used to the climate. It is hot. It is the place where you need a lot of sun, sun lotion if you're fair skinned like me. You need a lot of water. And when David wrote this psalm, this is exactly the sort of place he would have been thinking of. He had never been to and never came to England's green and pleasant land. He didn't know what it was like to live in a damp climate where it's fairly easy to grow stuff. Water, having a supply of water is generally the least of your worries. What he was talking about here was a... What he actually uses here is a simile. Stephen and I, what would Mr. Wheat in year 10 at our school have said to us? It's a little in-joke there. A simile is a figure of speech involving the comparison of one thing with another, with another thing of another kind used to make a description or an emphatic statement. 
He's not saying you are a tree. He says you will be just like this tree. See, David would have seen trees like this. Trees like this needed a strong root system if they're going to survive. If you're going to survive in a hot desert, if you're going to survive in the toughest times of life, like that place, you need a good root system. Because you need to be not only anchored, but you need to be able, you know, water's a precious commodity there. When it comes along, you need to take it up. Just like the water of God's word. That is one thing that the Bible is likened to. The tree thrives because it's, because it's planted. And because when that water supply, that moisture comes along, it takes it up. So it can grow, so it can thrive. And so it can bear fruit. Does a tree, can I ask you a question? Does, has a, have you ever seen a tree that grows apples or oranges or anything like that? Does a tree eat its own fruit? No. <laughs> a tree, I've, that would be weird, wouldn't it? That would be plain weird. Trees don't eat their own fruit. Trees grow fruit for others. And if you plant yourself in God's word, you will not only grow and thrive yourself, but you will bear fruit for others just like that tree does. When we thrive, there is also a strengthening of our root system. This may mean going through hard times, but do you know what I've found in my own life? I haven't got time to go into it now, but I've found in my own life that the hardest times in life are the often, often the times that you thrive the most. Because you have a choice in a hard time. You either run from God or you run to him. And I look back on quite a number of times in my life, and I haven't always run to God, but I always know when I hit trouble, I need to run to God and I need to run to his people. And I have grown more in the bad times than I have in the good. I hate the bad times, but do you know what? They are the perfect time to begin to thrive. Because you begin to really ask some deep questions. And you know what? God always has the answers. We often think as Christians of Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we hit a bad time. We're like, I can't do all good things. Well, can I say today we need to understand that piece of scripture properly so that we can make it really work for us. Philippians 4, 11 to 13 says this. I am, Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every, sorry, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's why we need to read the Bible as a whole, not just as individual verses. It's okay to read the individual verses, but provided we understand what they really, truly mean. It's important to be connected into who God is. Jesus said this himself in John 15, 4-5. He said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Jesus said he's the true vine. He said, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Much fruit. Not just some fruit, but much fruit. When we go through hard times, we can thrive if we plant ourselves in God, if we stand firm. And as we thrive, friends, as we thrive, we will see the unveiling of our life's purpose and the anchoring of our godly identity.
verses 3 to 6 in Psalm 1. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction." Our friend Banning Leapshire also said this, when we, put all, when we put I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in context, we will see that Paul was actually saying this. He's saying, I've had seasons in life where I've had nothing, and I've had seasons when I've had everything, and I've developed the ability to thrive in both seasons. This is what I'm driving at. I have developed the ability to thrive in both seasons by learning to access the resource that never changes whatever the season, and that namely is Christ's strength. Because no matter what you're going through at the minute, and Pete's already said it this morning, Jesus does not change. He doesn't change. He doesn't need to. And I'm glad he doesn't need to, because he's the all-sufficient one. He sees the beginning from the end. He doesn't need to change. So whatever situation you're in at the minute, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. And you can access his strength now. And I encourage you, whether you're in a good season now or whether you're in a bad one, or if you're in a good season and know because you're just that canny that you know that one day uh, that bad times will come at some point in some way, some shape, some form, because that's just life, determine in your own heart, I'm going to stay firmly planted. I'm going to run to God like I've never run before. And everything will change and you will begin to thrive. See, if we really grasp, and I, I believe if you look at the... If you go, when you go home, just Google, Google image, neurological levels, you will see that the most important pers- thing for a person in their life is their purpose. We all, I need a purpose to get me out of bed in the morning. And one of the things that gets me out of the bed in the morning is a desire to thrive in God. I want to be able to put my head back on the pillow not as an afternoon nap, but at the end of the day, and say, I have achieved something today. I'm further ahead than I used to, uh, than I used to be. Even if it's not that much, I've at least taken one step forward today. See, if we can really grasp that once we give our lives to Jesus and see that he's assigned us a new life and a new identity, whether we feel it or not, we will, and we see that our soul and meaningful identity is found in him, who he is, and what he says about us, and everything will change. Things that used to be issues will no longer be. We will see our purpose, which is to heal, honor God, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, all of these things, and we will begin, friends, to thrive. Can I ask the band to come back? I just want to finish by taking you back to near the place where we started in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Blessed is the one who is planted by streams of living water. Can I just ask you this morning just to think about planting yourself or just re-putting yourself back in that place with God? Determining your heart's to... Can, please don't just say, yeah, I'll do it later or I'm not bothered or whatever. Determine this morning, I am going to do whatever it takes to make sure I get planted even further, I'm going to let my root system go deeper in God, and I am going to thrive this year. 2020 is going to be a year where I thrive. I don't just connect, I don't just grow, but I thrive in who God is. The reality of these two contrasting lives in Psalm 1 is that there are only two options open to us. I remember when Tony Blair was Prime Minister in some kind of economic policy, I can't remember what it was. He came up with this mysterious third way of doing things. Well, I'm afraid to say it, 
But this psalm shows us that there's only two types of life open to us. There's, a light, there's one that leads us in the path of God, or there is a life where we are likened to chaff that blows away on the wind. Chaff is removed from the plant through the process of threshing and winnowing to, so that you can get at the grain inside. The reality is that we can either end up, we all, have, we all have to deal with chaff in our lives, the useless bits, and the chaff just blows away on the wind as soon as it's released. It's so light that the slightest gust would just send it flying. And that shows what a life without God can be like, or a life where we aren't really firmly rooted in God, because the slightest wind of trouble will just blow us away. But if we allow God just to remove the chaff, which is just the useless bits from our life, the, the faithlessness that ends up in nothingness, then he can really get at that good stuff he's already put in us and the more that he'll keep putting in, that good grain inside of us, which is grain that brings life, it brings hope, it brings joy, it brings identity and purpose and thriving. Friends, today, can I encourage you, lose the chaff, let it go. Lose the chaff, but don't be the chaff. Choose life today. Choose not the life without God, but choose the life planted by streams of living water. Choose Jesus. Choose to thrive. And maybe you can determine in your own heart that you're going to do that today. If you'd stand with me, we're going to pray. If you, if you want to stand now, we're going to Praise God. And can I encourage you just to, Pete's already given us a great opportunity to do it, but I want to give you another opportunity just to come forward. And I and one, two other people would love to pray with you as we worship. And we'll pray that you will thrive. Amen.